Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. The Champions League dream is back on. I don't know what everyone was worried about after the defeat to Newcastle. West Ham are back to being massive again, so happy days. But let's just remind everyone how things stand. West Ham United are fifth in the Premier League. Four games to go. Three points behind fourth place Chelsea and five points behind third place Leicester. We're two points ahead of bitter rivals Tottenham Hotspur in sixth and four points ahead of Liverpool in seventh, but they have played one game less than us. Our opponents this weekend, Everton, are eighth six points behind us, having also played a game less. And we'll almost put ourselves beyond them completely with a win on Sunday. Lads, every single game from now until the end of the season is absolutely huge. They will be the difference between a historic campaign and a really, really good one. What time it is to be a hammer. So before we look back to Burnley, it was a good win, of course, an excellent three points on the road. Any three points on the road is a good set of points but before we look back to that I just want to start by asking you both a quick question we'll of course look in to the Everton game in the opposition view in more detail later on but quick question on the spot Tom I'll go to you first would you take a point against Everton given everything I've just detailed just then about the current state of affairs no James uh obviously not no Oh, blimey, both of you go right, James. And we'll throw back to you because you questioned <laughs> you questioned Tom there. Um, so no, 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 Tom, Tom, you tell us because we'll, we'll we'll see if uh, your logic behind it changed James's mind about his uh, his query first. What are you saying, Tom? No, emphatic, you were. I just think I'd love to see us risk it. I mean, I'm with you. A point would be good in top six would be one hell of an achievement. But for me, the position and, and getting back on the horse the way we did on Monday night, I really just want to go full throttle. And whether that be losing, going for it and trying to do something special, I'd rather see us go for that. So um, for me, I'm just desperate to see us try and do the unthinkable and get four wins. So nothing else will make top four. And and that's really where I'm dreaming and have been all season. Why not? Why not? Get greedy. There you go. James Jones, what are you, uh, have you had your mind change there? Or you, you know what Tom's saying? Talk to me. No, I think the reason why I said obviously, obviously not no is that you know, as Tom said, we want to we want to try and win every game. We want to give ourselves the best possible chance. 
But if it does end a point, I don't think I'll be massively disappointed if it does end a draw. Um, Everton are a good side. They're far better away from home this season than they are at home. So, um, yeah, I mean, it won't, it won't be the worst result in the world, but obviously would much rather the three points. Yeah, I think the we've got to avoid defeat and we whatever happens. Our goal difference yeah. just isn't very good, is it? That's the problem at this stage of the season. Our goal difference, and it's not going to swing. It's what makes it a little bit frustrating about the fact that we didn't push on a little bit more at Everton and, and at least give us in with a shot of uh, of extending that goal difference gap on the teams around us. Because at the moment, it's, it's almost like a point less, isn't it? The, the, pressure, the extra pressure is on us even more. Uh, to go after these results because, um, yeah, if we end up on the same points, we're inevitably going to be the bottom of the pile. But lads, um, on the, the light stuff, we'll go into all of that a bit more further in the show. How's things, Tom? What's uh, Have you had a good week? What did you make of the uh, of the Burnley game? Just briefly before we go into it in, in detail in, in part two. Yeah, brilliant week. Bank holidays, absolutely class as usual. We missed the sum, but uh, <clears throat> what a way to top it off yesterday. I mean, it was a a top draw performance. I've not enjoyed watching us play football like that. Well, I have this season, but that was even better than some of the performances we've seen this season. The football we played through the fair. Just what, just what that result has got my, my positive juices flowing once more. <laughs> Your positive juices. God, that sounds absolutely grim. Uh, James, <laughs> Tom's got positive juices flowing all over his bedroom floor. Um, <laughs> in in slightly less graphic terms, can you let me know how you felt about the uh, the two one win at Burnley? Absolutely the same, mate. I'm absolutely dripping in positive juices. Um, <laughs> just, just, yeah. Sopping, sopping wet. I am. This, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm buzzing. It, it, do you know what? It was, it was, it, it felt like me that it was well worth the wait. The week waiting for that game over the weekend, seeing everyone else play, trying to work out, you know, the different you know, scenarios of, you know, who needs to lose, who needs to win, and and stuff like that, and getting there. And I've, I've ne- I don't think I've been as, so nervous all weekend. So the Spurs winning, jumping above us for what twenty four hours or whatever it was, and. Um, just thought like because Spurs won, like the game meant even more because we did want them to be above us for much longer than they than they were, and it was just well worth the wait in the end. As Tom said, the performance was up there as one of the best this season. Um, the only downside is that we didn't score more because we should have done. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, mate, I, I think obviously I had a feeling anyway, uh, and you two are always quick to to tell me, but. This weekend, particularly that game last night and the build-up to it has, and even a little bit afterwards, has made me realise I am a glass half empty man. And I didn't think I was. <laughs> I, in fact, I'm not even a glass half empty. I'm I'm a glass three quarters empty and not even a quarter. I just even beforehand leading up to it, and I've done it loads in recent weeks. I've just convinced myself before every game, this is the week the wheels fall off. And I don't know whether it's like self-preservation thing. So afterwards I can go, well, it's all right, Will, you, you built yourself up for that. Like when we lost to Newcastle, it was kind of like, yeah, well, you've been saying it's coming for some time. After the game, in that second half, when the final whistle blew, I was like for a few minutes, I was just seething. It's like, oh, we should be putting the game to bed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bloody hell. 
have a day off with the negativity, will you? I'm boring myself in my own head. It's just like <laughs> we've won away from home. We're three points off four for four games to go in the season. I'm that just that, that that second half was stressing me out. And especially when Jay Rodriguez, as it bounces up to him, I'm ready to like launch the sofa through the TV. Never mind just the TV remote. Um but after it, it, it you know, I'm, I'm training myself. I'm trying to be better. It, I, I came around pretty quickly after the game to realise what a positive it is, um, albeit only only one goal. But we've come from behind away from home, haven't we? Did you find, Tom, um, that what, what were your emotions throughout the game? Because, again, well, I, I did feel that I'm absolutely delighted with one. It was just so frustrating, isn't it, that, Obviously, we deserve to win. We had a million silly amounts of attempts and all that sort of thing, but only four of them out of 22 attempts on only four of the out of the 22 were on target. I think Burnley had three efforts on target, uh, albeit from far less shots. What were your emotions throughout the game? At a, I think um, <clears throat> it was a bit frustrating at points, but the first 15 minutes when they got that penalty, it was head in hands. It was like, I just felt so gutted and I felt it all falling apart. The typical wood penalty, bit of a clumsy challenge. I thought, here we go. But honestly, once we scored that first goal, I, I, I literally felt so relaxed. The type of football they start playing, the confidence, the way they were building through the phases, we were knocking at the door constantly. I did for once feel like a, a fan of a big club. They just know that they're going down and know that one of these away. And it was... um probably pride for the last 60 minutes because playing the way we did with um, the injuries we've had and and also that having Antonio back is just such relief. You know you're going to get chances throughout the game. You know the people behind them are going to get so much space all game and there's nothing they can do about it. So I think it was pride and a little bit more confidence again because when you see us with Antonio, we're a different animal and um, if he stays fit for these four, we've got a good chance of winning them all. Yeah, fair enough. Jonesy, just uh, just quickly before we do the housekeeping, let everyone know what's coming up on the show. Were you, same as Tom, remaining fairly positive or were you sort of frustrated as I was getting with uh, with some of the decision-making in the final third or most of our decision-making in the final third? It was frustrating to watch sometimes. When you get, you know, you get so many counter-attacks, so many chances to to really put the game to bed. And we, I mean, we could have had five, six or seven on, on the night. Um. But at the same time, like even when we went one 0 down with the penalty, I felt that this, you know, it's not over. I know it's only fifteen minutes in, but it's not over. We've come from behind at Leeds to win, at Palace to win um, this season. Um, you know, notoriously difficult places for for West Ham to go, let alone anyone else, and actually get a result. So going one 0 down at Burnley for fifteen minutes, a lot of people would have been like, "Oh, here we go." But mm. that was when I felt like, actually, no, no, this isn't over. You know, we, we've proven before this season that you know we're not going to lay down and die, and we're going to we're going to fight back, and and we did that. And it's just as I said before, it's a shame that we didn't put a lot of those chances to bed. But the the key thing is that we saw it out, and that's been one of our big things this season. Is, is more often than not, Newcastle aside, um, we've been able to you know, you know see games out, even if it is just by one goal, one goal cushion. Um, so, yeah, um, I was relatively positive throughout. Um, just by watching them, you could tell that the guys were on it and they weren't going to throw it away. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, the, you know, a transitional play 
was was fabulous, wasn't it? The amount of times, the amount of chances we continue to create was uh, was really was something to behold. But look, I mean, we're still in it, lads. It's absolutely brilliant. The three points is three points, isn't it? Away from home. You've mentioned it there, Jonesy, a tough win. Um, so look, we're in part two. We'll go into that Burnley game in a lot more detail. It's nice, obviously, this week to just be chatting about the, the football on the pitch again, as opposed to all the Super League stuff that we've seen that's all rumbling on in the background of course but look we'll do the housekeeping first do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham you can also subscribe to our youtube channel the link to our channel is in the description to this podcast so just go uh, scroll up scroll to the description uh, of this podcast and you will be able to subscribe to our youtube channel through there we're on instagram as well and you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham, just a one-off donation, if you so please. Coming up on the show tonight, we've got a packed one. In part two, we'll do some detailed Burnley reaction, uh, get more thoughts from Tom and James. Should we have killed it off? Were Burnley just awful? It's a deal. Does he deserve a spot in the team of the week or should he not even be in our team next week? Dodgy penalty for Suchek. Manuel Lanzini, spectacular performance. And is he the new Mark Noble? Should we play him there all the time? We'll have the Betway charity bets. We were very, very, very close. Uh, me in particular nearly got my 11 to 1 shot in at Burnley, but no winners, unfortunately. We'll have the Everton bets ahead of the Toffees' visit to London Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Tony Scott, host of the All Together Now Everton podcast, joins us in part four for the opposition view. James Jones is quizmaster for Name That Game before we wrap up with the West Ham women's section. And we had to cut Michelle short last week, the We Are West Ham, sorry, the West Ham women season ticket holder. So we've invited Michelle back on again this week and hopefully we'll get to chat to her for a little bit longer before we say goodbye for another week once again. Uh, lads, it's exciting stuff for sure. It is absolutely brilliant that West Ham are still fifth in the table. Obviously, we flirted with fourth for a bit. The Newcastle result was disappointing, but back at it pretty swiftly again last night. Stay with us because we'll have more from the lads on the Burnley game in part two next. <laughs> Lads, should we have killed it off or can we just be delighted with the win? James, I'm going to go to you first because it's one of those things. I know we've, we've touched on it briefly in, in the first half, but do you feel like, you know, when we come up against against better teams that we're, we're going to have problems there? Or do you say, look, just, just stop moaning. We didn't put them into the back of the net. We put three against uh, Arsenal, three past Leicester, et cetera, et cetera. We've scored. We can, we've proved we can score goals against, against big sides. It doesn't matter if we want to go and move on. Yeah, I think, I think you just got to be happy with the three points. Uh, you, you did allude to it in, in the opening, um, in the intro of the podcast that a goal difference isn't, isn't as good as everyone else's. So perhaps putting a few more past Burnley on Monday night would, would have helped us. Um, but that's the only really thing you can say. I mean, on the night, the team were superb. You know, barring that opening fifteen minutes and what led, you know, the the passage of play that led to the penalty. You know, we we were brilliant, better team on the night. You know, even Sean Dyche come out and said, you know, West Ham a very good team, outplayed us all game. Um, every single Burnley fan I've seen on Twitter has said the exact same thing. So we were the better team on the night, and we got the three points that we deserved. Um, so I don't think you can be. I suppose you can be a little bit frustrated that you know we didn't score more and, and improve that goal difference a little bit in case. It does go down to 
go down to the wire for that top four spot. Um, and goal difference might might decide who gets that final spot. But, you know, you can only do what you can do on the night. And the three points is all you play for, really, isn't it, at the, at the end of the day? And, and we got it. So, and it's what, a club, club record eight away wins in the Premier League this season. You know, who would have thought that at the beginning of the campaign? Yeah, exactly, mate. It's phenomenal, Tom. Uh, I think we're obviously on the on the same page on that. It's just three points. Exactly what James said. He couldn't have put it better there. Three points is what you play for, and we've got them. So put that one behind us. On to the next one. It's it's been a, a funny week for reaction again. Um, the the commentators seemed quite complimentary of Burnley after the game. Sean Dyche was quite pleased with his side. If you judge his interview comments. I thought they were awful. I thought they were one of the worst sides we've come up against this season because as we've alluded to, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't imagine West Ham had 22 attempts and it was only by our sloppiness. That could easily have been a 6-1 game, couldn't it? I, what did you make of, of Burnley? Because I thought they were terrible. To be fair, I I read it more as we were just... like If you look at the way every single one of their players come out, Nick Kowski, all the ones who've done interviews are talking about us. That's one of the best sides we've seen a season sort of thing. A definite Champions League top four. And um, I think that just is a testament to how well we played. I appreciate that they were not typical Burnley side we see with two banks of four and very settled the ball and looking for the ball. They didn't at all. But they were going for it and credit to them. We were just a better side. We had all our creative creative gems out there and um, some of the football we played was just superb I do agree the finishing on of the day is um, the type of thing where we get done to all and we walk away with it and we're absolutely gutted but this occasion it didn't sting us and um, on another day like you said could have four or five but honestly this time I think it was more down to how good we were as opposed to how poor they were yeah fair enough Jonesy do you, do you tend to agree with that yeah I mean I, I yeah I do agree I don't think I don't think Burnley were particularly poor. I just, I, the, the ease with which they just whacked the ball up the pitch and yeah, we just turned it I, over. I mean, I think I perhaps was probably expecting a little bit, uh, a little bit more from them hmm. as an opponent, given what they did to Wolves only, what, last weekend. And that was what was putting a little bit of doubt in my mind. Um, and I'm sure many other fans was that, you know, they just turned Wolves over 4-0. I know we did the same earlier this season, but just turned Wolves over 4-0. Um, they're still fighting for their lives down the bottom. I know they're, they're all but safe, but they still still mathematically could go down. You know, this is going to be a difficult game. And yeah, it was quite surprising how easy it was for us to counter them and, and get in behind them. But um, I don't think, I, I wouldn't go as far to say it was a poor Burnley performance. But as Tom said, we, we were just so good on the night. You know, we were unplayable mm. um, for, for most of the game. And, um, and yeah, there's not much more I can say. I, just, I don't think they're the worst team we've played this season. But definitely yeah. not. Sheffield yeah. United, Sheffield United are the worst team. Yeah, fair enough. I suppose they did. Like, they they did defend pretty well. Like not all of our stuff was poor decision making. There were some decent last gasp interceptions from them as well. I suppose Tom, uh, another man um, who split opinion after the game, and this one is absolutely incredible. I all through is this a deal? by the way, I'm talking about it. All through the game, my um, West Ham group chat, friends of mine from my hometown, have a little uh, little clique of, of West Ham supporters from um, from our school and from, from around the town. Um, everyone was slagging him off, saying, oh, we look so weak with him. He just doesn't know his 
his ass from his head and I was watching the game with my dad. He was, we were both saying the same thing. It just looked so, for, from our opinion, just looked really uh, just a shadow of the player he used to be. Decision-making's poor. It looks like Aaron Cresswell's got to, um, you know, get into Anne Craig Dawson, got to get into him after every play, almost playing the game for him. And then on Twitter earlier on today, he's got in a couple of Premier League team of the weekends. Yeah. Uh, absolutely baffling oh, from my Garth Crooks one I'm sure because he ain't got a clue what he's talking about <laughs> <laughs> but there was not just that that one off one there was several West Ham fans jumping to his defence on, on Twitter as well saying oh, you know it looked a bit shaky but but ended up looking solid in, in the, the second 45 minutes just give me your opinion on him Tom straight off the bat I um, actually tweeted, I was listening to all the players I thought played well. He just ran, he managed to get in there yesterday. But I thought first half he was poor and a liability. Um, second half, I was impressed with his reaction, though. He dealt with that long ball over the top. He didn't really get done with it. Chris Wood get, got hooked before the end of the game, which sort of testament to the second half. So I thought we could take a little bit of solace in the fact that he did turn it around. But I, I'm with you. There's no chance he should have been in the, in the team in the week because he was getting spun every time by a long diagonal ball. And that, that is elementary at that level. It was um, just good to see him get his head on, head on the end of a few a few big crosses as well at the end, though. So credit to him for coming back. Yeah, I, I, he was improved second half, wasn't he? But he couldn't. He yeah. certainly couldn't get much worse, could he? Jonesy, have, uh, have the same opinion there? Surely, if anyone was uh, West Ham defender was getting in that team of the week, it should have been Kufal, who I thought had a fantastic game. But just uh, quickly on on uh, Diop there. Yeah, I mean, the first first half, he looked like a fan of won a competition. I think I said that to you last <laughs> night. What's that? No, he like he did. He, he genuinely did, and you know the. the the passage of play that led to the penalty. I mean, he's put Suchek in, a, in an awful position there. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the thing was Suchek and, and the rest of them said to him at half-time, I was like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> and, the, and the second one where exactly the same play over the top, mm-hmm. Vidra gets in behind, puts the ball over uh, Fabianski, and luckily uh, Dawson's there to clear it off the line. And after that play, um, I think it went down the other end, I think it was a throw-in, and the camera pans out so you can see pretty much the entire pitch. You can see Creswell like basically coaching Diop, and he's he, you can see he's pretty much telling him, "Don't let the ball bounce. Just attack the ball in the air. Don't let it bounce." That's such a thinking, Sunday league shout, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, and I was thinking to myself, how on earth is a Premier League centre half who's got three years experience in 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 the, in the Premier League, um, being having having to be told, "Don't let the ball bounce when the ball comes over." Like, what on earth's happened here? Yes, basic. And it happened twice, and one of them led to a goal. And it was like <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe we're seeing this. But he did improve in the second half, and you know he, he did make quite a lot of important clearances, um, and probably because they stopped putting the ball in behind, um, and they were just whipping crosses into the box, which he could deal with a little bit easier. Mm. But uh, I don't know what's happened with Diop. Nah. Um The only player, the only player at Turf Moor that I, I thought, you know, just didn't. Know, didn't really deserve to be on the winning side, um, and that might sound harsh, but he, he was poor. He Think was a poor. Little... I don't know what's happening because that first his first season at the club, he was he was a rock. He was superb. Jose Mourinho um, called him a monster. Since then, yeah, linked to United and, and stuff like that. And you think we've we've got a snip here at what 22, 23 million, and and now you know we'd be lucky if we tried to sell him. We'd lucky to get five million for him because he's just not the same player. I, I I just don't know what's happened to him. Too comfortable, do you think, Jonesy? Like he's he's got the big contract, and 
you know, not all players, Lanzini sort of, a lot of players come to West Ham and find their level, don't they? You know, we thought that Lanzini before the injury was going to push on and he was going to be playing for Liverpool in no time. I feel like Diop's just, you know, he's a sort of youngish lad, on big, got his first huge money contract. Um, and, and he's just, just nice and comfortable, thanks very much. I don't know. Um, I'd like to think I put it down to you. He got COVID earlier on the season, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Um, and he got, he got pulled out of the game against Hull in the League Cup right at the last minute. Then he got a couple of others, David Moyes as well. And he's not been, he was in the team up until that point. And ever since then, he's struggled to get back in the 11. Um, he's only really got back in because of injuries. And you wonder whether that may have, he might have, you know, a little bit of long COVID that he's had to deal with or something like that. Because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we have heard, we hear that people have been affected. You know, Kai Havertz at Chelsea was really affected by it. And he's only really just getting back to his best. Mm. Um, so maybe it's that. You know, that's what I'd like to He wasn't great to. before, though, was he? Let's be honest. He wasn't quite at those levels, those first season levels you mentioned. He wasn't that he good wasn't, before that, was he? He wasn't He wasn't calamitous like he was on Monday night. He wasn't making, you know, awful mistakes. He wasn't forgetting the basics of defending, mm. which he seems to be doing now. Even, like, previous games he's played, like, the positional, positionings led to goals, poor positioning and stuff like that, crosses. Um, but, yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, if he does stay... Beyond the summer, he's he's a little bit more improved next season because we're gonna need we're gonna need the squad depth. I don't really yeah. afford to sell him. No, no, no. You're right, mate. We do big time need to cover at the back because our uh, combined age between our centre backs is about four hundred and six. I think so. <laughs> Definitely need to do something <laughs> quickly, um, lads. I don't think there's any conversation. I've written down Suchek Pen in the notes beforehand. I don't think we really need to discuss that. Was it? It was pretty cut and dry. No, no one was complaining really. You mentioned it, Jones. Diop's putting him in awkward position. Um, and yeah, a little bit clumsy by Suchek, but certainly no one's going to have a go at him for that. Nice penalty. Uh, Fabianski, unlucky not to get a hand on it. Manuel Lanzini, I want to talk about though. James, I think you tweeted uh, after the game, and I think it banged on Twitter. We're sure we'll have to ask uh, Tom about another impressive tweet that he put out in, in the week that he was very pleased with the numbers on. But um, yeah, Manuel Lanzini, I thought he was absolutely spectacular in that holding midfield role. I think we mentioned there about how good we were in transition. I think he was a key vital part of that. He just got the ball, recycled it so quickly, as he does, doesn't he? He's really technical mm. and tricky anyway. Got the ball, popped it out uh, to players again. Tom, uh, impressed with Lanzini? I don't know if he got into your rambly list of players you were impressed with along with Diop on Twitter, did he? He did. He was the he was the first one I couldn't miss out, mate. He was superb. You're, you're bang on with that. He was the reason we um, looked so calm on the ball from it from the off. He was getting off the goalie even when we were 1-0 down, even before that. He just looked dead comfortable and he was making all the right decisions bringing our special players onto it, the technical ones who can make things happen. I think that was another reason why Ben Rahm had such a good game because he was getting it in the right positions. He was getting it, turning and facing it defenders. He wasn't getting it to feet, slowly to him on his back foot. He was getting it where he wants him. And Lanzini, two touch, did everything right. And um, I was really, really happy to see him put in that performance and what Moy said after about him um, having to change the type of player he is, is something us fans don't even think about. He, he obviously lost his agility and he's only starting to work his body out again now. And um, maybe, just maybe he'll turn into a, a much better player in that role than what we've been seeing in him in the front three because he has lost that sharpness. But yeah, that's yeah. off past. Yeah, I really liked it. And again, James, you alluded to it in, in the tweet you put out. We, West Ham fans just like him, don't they? And they want him to do well. And I want to see him in the team. And if that means he plays there... 
you know, instead of Noble, or that that becomes his new position a little bit deeper, then happy days. I'd worry about his physicality. But would you, obviously you're impressed with him as well, Jonesy, would you play him instead of Noble all the time? Or do you think because of the nature of uh, the side we're up against in Burnley, we could afford to do without that one extra defensive-minded player? Well, I had this conversation with a couple of fans earlier in the back of my tweet about, about you know, how delighted I was that he, he bust the midfield uh, for 90 minutes. Um, and, you know, one fan was saying that it, it, long-term it is not an option for central midfield, he didn't believe, because of the physicality issue. Um, but I see it as that, you know, Noble's got his one, one season left at the club and we're going to need someone to, cut, to, to be there to potentially deputise if Suchek or Rice get injured. Um I know it's only one 90 minutes game, game of football, but Lanzini's shown that you know he could be that guy that comes in and deputises if there's an injury um, or a suspension or, or you know when one of them needs a rest because both of them have needed a rest all season um, and we've not had the numbers. And if we're playing in Europe next year, we're going to need those numbers in central midfield because we're going to be going from playing 40 going 44, 45 games a season to 55, 60. You know if we go deep into the competition. Um, so, all that talk about he potentially could be sold in the summer, I, I, I wonder whether it's a good idea. Now, if he, if he can play that position, David Moyes is retraining him there, then keep him, keep him at the club and, and, make, and make it that role. You know, play him in the cup, cup, cup competition there, play him in Europe there or something mm. in the early stages. Um, but it's just good to see him play well, get a good 90 minutes under his belt and um, earn all the plaudits because it's been a while since he's had a game like that for us. Absolutely, um, mate. So, and as you said, everyone loves him. And just don't, I don't want a bad word said about him. Absolutely love the guy. No, yeah, totally agree, mate. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be nice to, you know, with, with Declan Rice and Suchek have played a lot of football this season. Hopefully we've got an extra like load of games next year with Europe. And yeah, if he can slot into those. And I think what was brilliant, we've struggled this season against teams who are happy to let us have the ball. Well, then just whack Lanzini on. If teams are going to do that, he might be the key to to unlocking games like that next season when hopefully we're, we're pushing again. Lads, Mikel Antonio is absolutely brilliant. We've got to take our hats off to him. There's not really a lot to say um, other than he is fantastic. So pleased to have him back again. Uh, unfortunate to miss that, that chance, obviously, where he shinned it into his other shin. <laughs> Um, a bit of a, but to give him his due, it was a bit of a bobbly ball, and I thought he handled it well in his interview afterwards. It had been lovely to yeah. see him bag a hat trick. We've got a couple of minutes left at the end of of part two here. Said Ben Rama. Now, uh, again, we've done this already. Uh, he he got the assist for Mikel Antonio's one. I thought he had an industrious game. He did again make a couple of bad decisions. People saying online afterwards that they don't understand the differing reactions to him. So just give us a brief one, Tom. Uh, it's a minute and a half left in this section. Said Berama, brief summary of what you made of his performance and Moise's comments after the game. Um, I thought he was unbelievable. I thought he got in positions, man made them himself from his ability on a ball, technical ability we haven't seen in those wide areas. Yet again, it's 11 games. We've won one draw with him and something like that. 11 games, we've won three draws, one loss or something. So stats are beginning to show it again. And I'm happy he got that moment to shine because he was superb and, and he was one of the main factors behind us playing such good liquid football. So good on him. Start of something, hopefully. Fair play, mate. Yeah, I do think his confidence is a bit... Uh, or shot or was before the game. Jonesy, uh, that and Moyes' comments after the game, what did you make of that? 
Yeah, the comments were a little bit strange. He, he went from praising him to kind of bringing him down a little bit. I don't know whether that's just the man management style, but I mean, in, in my book, Barry Manzini was the best player on the pitch against Burnley. Um, he's not the only one that made bad decisions on the ball. There was a few, particularly in those counter-attacks, where it wasn't just Ben Rama making bad decisions. So criticism harsh. It's just good to see him have another good game. Um, and hopefully he can get a run in the side now because he deserves it, I think. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Well, fingers crossed he gets his first goal soon as well. But hey, three points at Burnley. We're still in the Champions League race. Stay with us. Part three, Betway Charity Bets, next. So three points at Burnley. No complaints from me or the lad. Side Ben Rama, I think. Everyone just wants him to do well, don't they? Same with Manuel Lanzini. I'm loving the feel-good factor around the club at the moment. I would like Ben Rama to break his duck because he's a poor little lamb. He's working his socks off. Uh, I think there's obviously a good player in there somewhere, but I think it's okay, the fans that are, that are criticising him. The spotlight's obviously on him at the moment. Um, it seems to be dividing fans right now, and, and we obviously all want to be as united as we can towards the end of the season. I hope he does get that duck off his back and then gets a, a pre-season under his belt, working with Moyes a bit more, because he's obviously willing to work his socks off, isn't he? So although there might still be reservations with David Moyes' boys, I think, given a bit of time working under him, he seems like the sort of player, if David Moyes tells him, this is what I want you to be, this is who I want you to be, I'm sure he's a, he seems like the sort of lad who can um, who can pick that up and take that on, can't he, as well. So and fair play to him for playing the first 37 minutes, having not eaten since the early hours of the morning, because he was... Uh, observing Ramadan. If anything, he got worse after that, didn't he? <laughs> Should have left his grub till after the game. But yeah, kudos to um, to Saeed and the rest of the boys for, for securing those three points with four games to go in the season. Lads, we were a bit unlucky on the Betway charity bets, weren't we? The or I, so I certainly was. I had both teams to score, Chris Wood to score any time and Craig Dawson to have one or more shots on target. Chris Wood bangs a penalty. We equalise in no time. I thought, come on, here we go. Get me a corner. Dorse is bound to get on the end of one. And I was absolutely gutted because he did get on the end of one. He got a header. It was on target, but it was offside, unfortunately. So I was absolutely gutted. 11 to one shot. That would have been 50 quid from Betway for our charity state. Would have been 550 extra quid for the Bobby Moore Fund. So I was very unlucky on that one. Uh, boys, Josie, you were a bit unfortunate because you opted for Bowen first goal scorer, didn't you? But you didn't start the game. Yeah, as soon as I saw the the, the starting lineups, uh, a bit miffed at first, but I thought, yeah, that bet's gone. Um, Especially when so, it yeah. came on, wasn't it? That's when it blew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just, I was just praying for it to be nil nil going to the last fifteen minutes. Bowen comes on and Lingard's assisting for the winner, but mm. nah. And Tom for Burnley, you had under two point five goals. West Ham to win four nails to score any time. Unfortunately, Pablo Fornells didn't really look like scoring at any point, and um, obviously the over two and a half goals as well in the end. So uh, I was closest, desperately unlucky. But um, change it up this week. I like the old um, defenders to score or assist, Jonesy. So I've gone for the same again for Everton. This is the Everton game at London Stadium, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Aaron Cresswell to score or assist, both teams to score, and a goal in each half. I just fancy we had so much joy, didn't we, the other night? And it was toss and go, touch and go, excuse me. I don't know what tossing and going is, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> it was it was touch and go between 
Aaron Cresswell to score or assist or Vladimir Kufal, but I figured Cresswell loves a free kick and a set piece as well, doesn't he? Chad from Betway assures me it'll be a double figure price. So if you like the sound of that one, do not forget, you can go over to the Betway website and app and place all of our bets, back all of our bets yourselves. If you like the sound of it, I think we are uh, just about up for this season, Jonesy, aren't we on, on our bets? If you'd backed every single one of them so far, James, what have you gone for? I've gone West Ham win. Uh, Jay Ling's goal or assist because um, he's always I think he's gone two games now without getting a goal or assist um, which is his longest spell without a goal involvement since he joined the club so he'll be back on it against Everton on Sunday and big Tommy Suchek to get two or more shots on target um, it's been a little bit less um, less involved in front of goal but the last time I backed someone to get two or more shots on target I won two grand for DT38 so I've gone for Suchet to do it this time because the odds will be pretty high. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. Yeah, fair play, mate. And Tom, who has just dipped out, uh, he's gone for West Ham to win, both teams to score, and Mikel Antonio, any time goal scorer. I like that bet. It's a nice, solid one. The the the, uh, the odds probably won't be huge, but I like the sound of it. That feels like a winner, and Tom is due one, to be fair to him. So just a reminder, uh, the, me and the lads are playing uh, with uh, charity stake each, £50 each per week, given to us by Betway to place on uh, the West Ham bets ahead of their next game, as we've just done there. Uh, and any winnings from those goes to the charities that me and the lads are playing for. I'm playing for Bobby Moore Fund, James for the DT38, Dylan Tombidi's Foundation, as he just mentioned, and Tom for Isla's Fight. Betway have agreed to match any winnings that we win at the end of the season. So if you add all that in, we've raised over 10 and a half grand for charity so far this season, which is absolutely brilliant. Fingers crossed, I say close against Burnley, just Craig Dawson let me down, but fingers crossed one of us can get a few more quid in uh, for our charities. The odds of these go up later in the week. Jonesy makes some, uh, put some nice graphics together and wax them up on Twitter later in the week once we get the odds in from Betway. And then, like I mentioned, if you like the sound of them, you can go and back them yourselves on the Betway website and app under pre-built bets. Selections for West Ham v Everton Sunday afternoon. Stay with us because next up, Tony Scott, the host of the All Together Now Everton podcast, will be able to let us know whether he likes the sound of those bets and whether West Ham have got any chance at all against his beloved Toffees this Sunday, 9th of May, 4.30 kickoff, the London Stadium in what could be the first of four historic games for West Ham. Stay with us. Opposition view next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. The charity bets there, fingers crossed, for a big win, both for the Hammers and for us and uh, West Ham charities this weekend, Sunday afternoon against Everton. And I'm delighted to say that joining us to talk about the game is Tony Scott, host of the All Together Now Everton podcast. What a huge game it is. We've mentioned it already. This could be the first of four historic games for West Ham United. Equally big, I would say, for for the Toffees. Tony, brilliant to have you with us, mate. It's fair to say, I think, that most neutrals would say West Ham have been better than Everton this season, but we could only be split by three points with you having a game in hand over us if you beat us on Sunday. What have you made of your season so far? And do you think my uh, summary there is is unfair? 
No, it's not unfair. It's spot on, to be honest. I think West Ham have been brilliant this season. Breath of fresh air to the Premier League. Um, and even for the neutral, the likes of Everton supporters, Leeds and Aston Villa, it's great to see West Ham up there. Just a change of, of teams in the mix. We've seen what's happened in terms of the Super League teams, so-called, um, obviously unbuckling the trend. And it's great to see the likes of West Ham. It's, it's even be brilliant to see the likes of Leicester up there. And just another team um, to stop the so-called big six from getting in the mix. So I think West Ham have been brilliant this season in terms of Everton. They've had an up and down season, started like a house on fire. Um, I think they were top of the league in August, September, and then a bit of a tails off when they hit October. Decore injury was a massive blow um, in terms of how the whole system evolves around him. He's up and down. He's a, he's a ball carrier. He gets you up the pitch, and that's been a huge, huge miss for Everton. Hamas Rodriguez has been arguably, he's just... I'll go as far as to say he's the best player I've seen in an Everton shirt in a oh. long, long time. Yeah, he's just unbelievable. Now, when you sign a player, you guys will have probably seen it in plenty of times. I remember Pia playing Fusion. There's just players that you look at and you go, wow, he's just far too good for us. And you go, <laughs> what is going on here? He is, the, the problem Everton have got is getting him on the pitch. Rodriguez is, I could probably name about 15 games he's played. It's a 38 game season. I think that's been the huge, huge problem for Everton. But when he has play, played, my God, he's, he's unbelievable. And he was a huge miss um, on the weekend as well against Aston Villa. Got injured in the warm up. I don't know what the injury situation is. I know it's a bit of a cough, but it's happened too often this season. And I think when he hasn't played and Takoda, Everton have suffered big time. So it's been a bit of an up and down season for Everton so far. If you're going to rate it out of 10, I'd probably say a six, six point five with potential to go to an eight depends on how they go in the next five games Tony would you say that I mean you've mentioned it there already with they've had quite a lot of injury problems I mean even Dominic Calvert-Lewin's missed some games through injury uh, recently I know he's just come back but you know James Rodriguez Decore um, given the start you had to the season and where potentially Everton could finish which is you know potentially out of the top seven um, and miss out missing out in Europe Given the way the season's going, do you think that Everton can look at look back and go, it's a bit of a missed opportunity, given, you know, Liverpool worst title defence in history, probably. Um, the top four is wide open, Leicester and West Ham are up there. Um, Spurs haven't been as good as they normally are. Arsenal are rubbish this season. Would you would you say that it would it could be a bit of a missed opportunity if you miss out on Europe? Possibly. There's an argument to say that it's a good question, but I think if if you guys don't get in the mix if you fall out of Europe on the last couple of games I think you could visibly say exactly the same yeah. thing it's a, it, it could be a missed opportunity for a lot of teams in the mix Leicester could drop out on the on the final day I think it's it's just so topsy-turvy and no one knows what's going to happen in these five games I think huge luck's going to play a huge part in, in how these games go um, as we've seen this season Everton have played probably six seven out of ten every game but they haven't just tried to get to that eight um, to be honest and I think I always we always get asked this question on the podcast. Oh, Everton are just they've been bland to watch and, and they're not the best on the eye. Whereas I watch you guys, you are playing well. But there's not many teams blowing anyone out the water this season. No one's playing breathtaking football. Man City in a league of their own, don't get me wrong. But in terms of away from Manchester City, Leicester are playing well and fits and starts. You guys have what I always say about David Moyes, if you're gonna go um, speak about David Moyes, Moyes was unbelievable, Everton. And, and what he was very, very good at was beating the rest. He will be, if you look at your guys' fixed um, results this season, he's very good at beating everyone from the top six down. But what he can't grasp is when it comes to the big games, 
is just getting his head in front. And sometimes he, he, he sometimes he will have a negative approach in big games. I'm, I'm not sure if he's done that so far this season, but I'm just looking at your results so far this season. When you've come up against the Liverpool or someone, he just doesn't seem to have that cutting edge to, to beat the bigger team. And maybe that will come further down the line, but that's what held him back at Everton for large parts of his 15-year period. But he was, he had, listen, he's done an unbelievable job at Everton, but just... Getting, getting us over the line in terms of European competition or an FA Cup final, that's where we struggled. What are you expecting your next bits for the Everton? Because, because some serious... I think I read that right, really. If that was the expectations with the money that we've spent so far this season, if I, if I got that correctly. Um, listen, it's, it's no secret that Everton have spent a few bob under the fog of Mashiri Rain. Um, he's wasted a lot of it. On managers, Marco Silva, Ronald Koeman, Marco, um, Roberto Martinez, Sam Allardyce. But now we finally got a world-class manager. He's the best manager we've had in in the last 30 years. Um, and it's just about giving this guy time. I think people tend to forget, and you, you spoke well, James, before about the missed opportunity Everton could have if they don't make Europe this season. But it's so easy to forget that Everton finished 13th last season. Um, this guy just kept, kept, it was about getting us out of the relegation zone and keeping our heads above water. So we finished 13th, spent a few bob in the summer and the likes of Rodriguez, Alan, Ben Godfrey, Decore. And we've gone from 13th to, where are we now, 8th with the chance of European football. If you look on paper, Everton shouldn't be anywhere near 6th to 7th compared to the likes of what Tottenham are and what Arsenal spent over the years and Liverpool in the mix as well. If we win our game in hand, we go same points as Liverpool. So we shouldn't be anywhere near that. But that's down to Ancelotti getting results at Old Trafford, at Anfield, at Leicester, at Tottenham, at the Emirates. And as much as, as bad as Everton's home records is, away from home, they are unbelievable. I think the third best away records in the division, you guys won't want to hear that, to be honest. But it, it, it does ring true because they're so compact away from home. They're a totally different team. At Goodison, they just seem to be wide open, the way they set up. The midfield doesn't... It doesn't protect the back four at all. Whereas away from home, they just seem to be a more of a solid outfit and they don't concede many away from home. And that's why they've got the points per tally away from home. They are unbelievable. Watch away from home. Well, yeah, you're right, Tony. That is worrying. Um, <laughs> you beat West Brom, didn't you? And then you've lost to Villa 2 mm. one last time out, beat Arsenal. Uh, the game before form isn't brilliant at the moment, is it? Which gave me a little bit of positivity when I was uh, when I was looking it up earlier on are you are you concerned at all you've mentioned the good away form there it's sort of been a bit of a struggle of of late the form at home has been a concern since october we've won three at home um since october but away from home as i just touched on there they're unbelievable they, they, they just grow in confidence away from home and because the record still stands there i think i think leicester and i think manchester city have picked up or manchester united have picked up more points than them all season i think it tells you why everton are still in the mix because of the away records um the form is a little bit patchy if you if you're mixing it in with the home and away record but away from home they are really really good they just seem to be to be more of an outfit um solids at the back and they can counter attack um, when rodriguez plays in a 10 You've obviously got Calvert-Lewin's pace and you've got Richarlison, who's been in and out, so to speak, over the past six weeks. So I'm confident just basically because of the away record. I really, really am. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Moyes approaches this one because I think this is more of a, a must-win for West Ham than it is for Everton, dare I say, because I think you are so close to getting in that top four, as in 
would it be a recipe for disaster if Everton miss out on Europe? Yeah, it wouldn't be ideal. But I think because you are, you are so you are so close to it. I think it'd be more of a disaster if you don't take the three points. So I think the onus will be on West Ham to come at Everton. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how David Moyes approaches it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Tony. Uh, particularly given, I think we've got the, the the second best home record in the Premier League this season, which makes it even more tasty given the given what's at stake and the form home and away for both sides. But I mean, I'm interested to. I mean, there's been so many players for Everton this season that have, have, have caused damage. You've already spoken about um, James Rodriguez, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's having the best season of his career so far. Um, where do you see Everton hurting West Ham at London Stadium in the week? And which players do you think that that really sort of you know excuse the pun, but give us a bit of a hammer blow to our oh, top four hopes? That's awful. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's got an excellent away record this season I, I think with if Rodriguez plays it all depends on what Carlo Ancelotti says on Friday's press conference if he declares Hamas Rodriguez fifth I think West Ham have got a problem a big big problem because he's just you guys will see it if, if you see him you'll go why can't players get near him why can't and he's just he's one of them players where you watch and you're going why why aren't players getting stuck into why aren't people kicking him in the air and he, he just uses class and the reports that we hear um, at Everton's training grounds is that some of the players that actually play on the same team as him in training they're going how, how on earth he's on that he's just one of them so if he plays um, I think West Ham have got a problem and how they deal with him as well and that's I think that's been vital to how successful Everton have been this season because at home the opposition don't know to mark him up because Everton basically give him a free reign and I think the likes of yourselves and us, I think we class ourselves a bit of a working class club, West Ham and Everton. It's one of them where you you pay your money, you take your chance, but what you want to see is hundred percent effort from from your from mm. your team. But there's certain players where you just allow to be, do you know what? You don't need to. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And well, Seamus Coleman's been exactly yeah. There's been Seamus Coleman's been very vocal in many years and um, gone by saying everyone's going to work for the team. No one shakes the tackle. But when this lad plays, I think everyone just carries him because he's just one of them that you go, wow, he's just he's allowed to do what he wants. And that's what the opposition have found difficult to pick up because he just drifts in and out. He can be left back, right back. He can be up the pitch. He'll play in the 10. He'll play everywhere. And it'll just be interesting to see how West Ham um, finds a solution for that because not many teams away from home have done it this season. So uh, you mentioned it there, Tony, about team news and injuries. What what sort of, uh, you know, is there anything you can update us? What what team are you expecting or can we expect to see? Uh, obviously a way off now, we're recording this Tuesday, so it's still best part of a week to go. But what, what are you expecting team-wise? I'm expecting Everton to make changes at the back. It hasn't been an ideal month for Mason Holgate. He's made a couple of errors which have led to goals conceding and defeats for Everton. So I expect either Yerry Mina to come in at the back or Michael Keane. Um, ben Godfrey has arguably been Everton's best player. In fact, he has. Um, he's been Everton's best player this season. Consistently, 35, 36 games. been an absolute steal. I think he'll walk away with the Player of the Season awards. Um so I think Ben Godfrey a partner one of them. Right back Seamus Coleman, left back Lucas Dean. I think the three in the middle would be Alan, possibly Tom Davis may come in. And the front three, if obviously Rodriguez plays, will be Calvert Lewin, Rodriguez, and Richarlison. Um, Andre Gomez has been in and out. So it, it could be any one of Sigurdsson, Gomez, Alan, Davis in there. So I think Everton will go with four, three, three if Rodriguez plays and they just give him a bit of a free reign. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Just, it's just interesting. I've always found, Jonesy, I don't know if you have, that Everton are like our bogey team. Do you know what I mean? Even home or away. I mean, forever. to be fair, for most of the time that I've been watching West Ham, Everton have been better than us. So that's why I always mm-hmm. feel like that. But um, I think that seems to have shifted in... In recent weeks, then, is there anything you're particularly like frightened about uh, going into the game? Antonio's form, to be honest, I think he can cause us a lot of problems. Um, Lingard as well. He plays in that position where obviously Rodriguez fits in. I think Alan against them will be an interesting battle to watch and an intriguing one um, to watch because I'm sure that Ancelotti, listen, he's a world-class manager. He will have watched Lingard um, and he'll have seen that he's the main danger there. So if they can kind of stop him and put a defensive um, midfielder as in Alan on him and just follow him around the pitch, I think that'll stop West Ham's um, main threat and getting the ball to Antonio. So I think it's a key area that I've struggled with lately since Decore's been injured and it's something that they'll have to solve because I think that's where West Ham have got a huge threat. What are you like at defending out wide? Because we had loads of joy against Burnley on Monday night from wide positions. I think the problem is with Everton is that the, 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 the full-backs that they've got are so highly up the pitch. I think that, and that's where the, the defence, the centre-backs, Everton have got have got to be very, very good on the ball. And that's where Mason Holgate struggled. Michael Keane's good on the ball. Ben Godfrey's good on the ball, as you've seen this season. And yet he meaning this. But one thing I will say to, to, to worry for for a West Ham fan is that Everton have been very, very good from set pieces this season. I think only, I think it's only Manchester it's only City. Or, We're is it only yourselves? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think only West Ham have scored more goals. Um, Chelsea are aren't they? Yeah, a bit of an insight um, is Carlo Ancelotti's son is the Everton coach, David Ancelotti, and he is the set-piece specialist at Everton's training grounds, and he drills it in, drills it in, and they've become a success. Um, so especially if Yeri Mina comes in for Mason Holgate as well, I expect Everton to become a huge threat from set-pieces as well as obviously Delma Calvert-Lewin and other players in there. You've got the, obviously the quality of Rodriguez, Sigurdsson and Lucas Dean from set-pieces. So yeah, it'll be, a re- it'll be a really intriguing battle to watch, and even for the neutral to watch, I think it'll be a cracking game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Tony. I'm we're sort of getting pretty nervous about what it could mean for us. I think it's certainly everyone's agreed that it's our hardest game on paper between now and the end of the season. But uh, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with us, Tony. We do no appreciate problem. it. Just give us a, a score prediction then. Sunday, 9th of May, 4.30pm kickoff, West Ham v Everton at the London Stadium. I think... Due to, I'm going to sit on the fence here because West Ham have got a very good home record, as you touched on. Everton are very good away from home. Don't lose many. Um, and if Rodriguez plays, they could even actually snatch it, um, to be honest, with Calvert-Lewin's pace. He's coming into the goals of late as well. So if Rodriguez plays, I think we'll win 2-1 or 3-2. But if he doesn't, I think it'll be 2-2 or 1-0. 2-2 or 1-0. Jonesy? Well, now I've got West Ham to win in my, my charity bet, but... Given the, the away record of Everton and the home record of ourselves, you know, I can see us very similar going into Leicester game, and obviously we kind of helped, helped ourselves by rushing into a three 0 lead. But uh, I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to say two two. It'll be goals. You're going we for take a draw, by the way. Sorry. Well, it's funny, Tony. That's we the first t- question we asked on the pod, weren't it, James? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think a draw wouldn't be the worst result for us. I think we all agreed on that. But obviously the Three points are going to be massive. Just avoiding defeat, I think, is the priority. If, as long as we avoid defeat, I think, you know, I think we'll be happy. But a point—if someone gave me a point now—I probably would take it just to avoid the heartbreak of defeat. 
Yeah, I um, think can that's... I say one thing before? Sorry, guys. Go can on, I say mate, one thing on. before I go? If after obviously after the weekend, I really, really hope you win every game and get get in fourth place. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on. I really do, and I think a lot of fans think exactly the same. To be honest, because it's just it's just so refreshing to see another team in the mix, and especially if you take Liverpool's spot as well. <laughs> Top man. Well, look, Tony Scott, there, host of the All Together Now Everton podcast. Tony, it's been really brilliant having you on. Great, some great insight, and appreciate your time and the detailed questions. What a game that is set to be. Sunday afternoon at the London Stadium could be huge for West Ham. Could be, like I say, one of four historic games to the end of what could be a historic season, or it could just be a little bit of a damp squib. But uh, Tony, thanks very much for joining us. Stay with us because name that game next. So, Tony Scott there, what a guest that was. Brilliant opposition view there, Jonesy. A huge game against Everton on Sunday. Unfortunately, we lost Tom through uh, some dial-up internet connections. Tom, Tom's still stuck in uh, 1997 over still there. Still not aware, wasn't he? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> but uh, Tom Edwards is back now, looking fresher than ever. No words. Yeah, he's just not up for the uh, not up for the poor Wi-Fi banter. But yeah, brilliant to have Tony Scott on uh, there. And quickly, James, get name that game done now while Tom's still on the line before we lose him again. Yeah, as I said to you before we start recording, chaps, I've got a horrible feeling this game's being done this season, but I might be wrong. I'm just going to go with it. Um, I don't have a backup, but I can get a backup relatively quickly. So if it's been done, tell me and we can, we, we can go again. Um, but Update the us obscure on the scores, fact, Jonesy, if you can. Sorry, just quickly. My fault. I know that's my uh, job, but you've started now. You're in the swing of it, and I love the sound of your voice. Go on, in. Go on in. So I don't really want to remind everyone of where I am, but oh, Will's actually no. You're you're below me, you? you're bottom. You're on 37. Uh, I'm on 38. Um, probably not for much longer. I'll probably be at the bottom by the end of this week. But Tom, runaway winner still, with four weeks left. No, he could pretty much all but win it this week with 46. So um, it's down just, to you, Will, to, to keep, keep the title race alive. Well, fingers week. crossed his Wi-Fi goes again and he freezes and then I'll just clear up all the points <laughs> when he doesn't answer in the time limit. Take, take the, 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 three nil, the three nil default win. Exactly. Come on in, Jonesy. Let's have right. it. Right. Okay. Obscure fact is a current, in this game, a current West Ham player scored his first goals for the club. Hmm. 3-1. Say that again. 3-1. He's got it. It's 1-0. Oh, uh, one nil. Tom's got it correct. <laughs> um, oh. right, opp- opposition goal scorer. I mean, we're going to get through this and realise we've had it, aren't we, Josie? It's going to be an absolute calamity. Uh, opposition goal scorer. I haven't got a clue. Who we're talking about um, Chris Wood. That is incorrect. Oh. I don't know if I do have it. To be fair, but um, Obafemi. Incorrect. Yeah. Blimey. Oh. Uh. I don't even know. Is that Michael over Femi, Tom, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking when Bowen got one. Uh, right, okay. Uh, so, James, you can tell us who is the opposition goal scorer. Uh, I'll tell you once I've. Ah, uh, let... I lost the. 
What's this preparation here? I've lost the game. One minute. <laughs> this is a shambles. He's done it. I've He's got, done it. It. I got it. I've got it. Oh, I've still lost it. Where's this game gone? I just, I just want to be sure, boys. Normally, I just want to be sure. I edit in the dramatic music under this quiz. I think this week it's going to have to be. Hey, so opposition goal scorer is Gilfie Sigurdsson. <laughs> right. Um, uh, right. It's me. Is it me for the opposite uh, West Ham goal scorer? Uh, it's Tom. Oh, on, Tom. No, no, I guess Chris Wood first and he went up the Femi, so it's back to me, isn't it? All right, yeah, you go. You go. Uh, I still haven't got it. Yeah, but, go on. Um, uh, Jared Bowen. Incorrect. Oh. Um. Oh. Sorry, um, Cresswell. Oh, no, no. Nah. <laughs> that is incorrect. Go on, Jonesy, cool. who was it? So the the player in the obs on the on the obscure facts was Andre Yarmolenko. Andre Yarmolenko. Ah. Yeah. Uh right. Goodison Park. Goodison Park. That is correct. One off. Um, Everton. Two one. Stinker. Will uh, season to level it up. Oh, I don't know. I hate this era. Um. Oh. All right. Where are we now? I need to li literally go back through this in my head. What the 20, <laughs> 2021 Uh, I'm gonna say that Andre Armelenko scored his first goals. West Ham at Everton in season uh, 18-19 That is correct Last oh. gasp equaliser Will Blimey. Last gasp equaliser uh, So what's that? Hey. Two all? That's two all Tiebreaker Tiebreaker Oh god um, Okay the exact year the game took place. Yeah. Tom, you're guessing first, mate. Um, is it me? Um, 2018. That was after we lost four in a bounce, I think, to the start. That's correct. Ah, heartbreaking Three, stuff. Two. Heartbreaking stuff. Tom, I'm not sure if the game was done before, are you? Do you remember that being done or not? No, it wasn't, to be fair. I don't think it was. Hmm. Uh, James did throw us off. Oh, all wrong at the start. I could have made it harder by not giving the Armelenko away straight away and saying, oh, Nautovic was, was <laughs> the other scorer. But I thought I'd help you guys out. You were clearly struggling. <laughs> you could have made it easier by having all the information to hand as well, to be fair. <laughs> I lost the page. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know what happened to it. Absolute shocker. Well, Tom, look, congratulations there, mate. Um, you get the uh, you even get the bonus point as well because it went to a tiebreaker. So the scores as they sit now after that 3 2 victory for Tom Edwards, Tom moves up to 49 points. 50, uh, 50 points was he on a bonus point? Uh, he won 3 2, didn't he? Yeah. 
uh, on air admin. James Jones, this could be the worst We Are Stand podcast segment I've ever seen you have. And I've been doing live radio broadcasting and now podcasting with you for around three years. (laughs) An absolute stinker. James Jones can't add 46 plus three. But for everyone at home who knew that it was uh, 49, Tom Edwards is on 49 points. James Jones is now bottom of the league on 38. And I am on 39. Thomas Edwards is the quiz master next week gives me and James a chance to pull back some points on him but you feel with a 10 point lead Tom with four weeks remaining that uh, it could be all wrapped up for you so fair play Thomas well played getting their early doors with the correct scoreline stay with us because we've got West Ham women next So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and I normally say and Tom Edwards and James Jones, but Tom Edwards is having an absolute stinker with his Wi-Fi tonight. He's dipping in and out like nobody's business. His face has just popped back up on the screen again. Who knows whether he'll be with us for the rest of this West Ham women's segment, but fingers crossed that we have a chance of a few more Pearls of wisdom from Tom Edwards before the end of the podcast. Jonesy, I think I'm going to throw to you because that seems like the safest option at the moment. The West Ham women, I'm going to put my neck on the line. It's not even putting my neck on the line. Are safe from relegation. A nil-nil draw with Aston Villa on Sunday means that West Ham are safe for next season. I know it's not mathematically totally certain, but it is the only way they're going to go down is if Bristol beat Brighton, Aston Villa beat Arsenal and Birmingham beat Tottenham all by a scoreline of about 25-0, hoping West Ham also lose by a similar score to Man City away on the last game of the season. The girls are pretty much safe, James. It's ugly. It has not been pretty this season at all. Such a shame because we're expecting a better one, but they've done it. How do you feel? Yeah, obviously delighted. I mean, you're right. I think there needs to be like a 29-goal swing or something mental like that on the last day um, with some freak results thrown in for good measure. And um, it's, it's good that they can, you know, pretty much relax going into the summer. Um, clearly needs to be a bit of a rebuild in the summer to avoid this next season. But I think the key thing is, and we've spoken about it a lot over the last few weeks, is that the big TV deal was the was the prize, wasn't it? In the main prize in terms of staying at WSL was TV deal was announced a couple of months ago. So now everyone was fighting to ensure that they they, they got a bit, you know, a, a piece of the pie next season. And, and luckily, you know, we're, we're going to be involved. And what that does to the way that Jack Sullivan and and Co plan for the summer and, and beyond, um, I don't know, but it, it should mean a little bit more money to essentially spending the transfer in the summer to, to rebuild the squad, strengthen and then go again next year and hopefully Oli Harder having a summer behind him with some of his new players, um, his own players, should give us a bit more of a more of a chance next year to compete because um, yeah, it's been a little bit frustrating. James, you're, you're right. You've got to hope that um, for this season or this summer, I mean, that the, the, the club 
sit down and have a long hard look because it did go wrong last season there was such optimism wasn't there but I'm delighted to say that joining us again is uh, West Ham women's season ticket holder Michelle Michelle joined us last week but I felt very very bad indeed for having to cut her off a bit early when she was mid-swing talking all things West Ham women but Michelle we were just saying uh, it's brilliant to have you joining us again by the way we were just saying the draw nil-nil with Aston Villa on Sunday means the girls are safe for next season I know it's not a mathematical certainty yet but it would need such an enormous goal swing and a freak turn of results, unlike football has ever seen in history. You're talking 25 nil scorelines. Um, the girls are safe. So how are you feeling after that that draw at the uh, on Sunday? All, all but confirmed it. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Um, I, I didn't actually watch the game live. I was at work, but I watched it the next day. Um, and... I heard from other season ticket holders that, that we threw the kitchen sink at them. So I suppose at the end of the day, you've got to give credit to Villa, haven't you, for for sort of like rising to the occasion, really. But uh, I wanted a win. As I said to you guys before, I, I wanted a win. But it, it was enough, I suppose. It was enough. So I think I think we spoke briefly about this last week, Michelle, and that, you know, if they get a result against Villa, then, you know, you can almost say that, they were safe, if not mathematically. Um, going into the summer, I've, I've just said it before, before you came on, that you know the prize was the, the TV deal going into next season if, if we stayed in the WSL. What's the club and Ollie Harder got to do in the summer to make sure that there isn't a repeat next year of another relegation battle and, and we can compete? Now, I'm not saying compete for the, for the top two, top three, but at least compete mid-table alongside the likes of, you know, likes of Brighton, Reading and where Tottenham are at the moment. Yeah, um, I think we just need bodies. I think we need a bigger squad. Um, although the games don't come as big as fast. I mean, clearly not at the level of the men. No way, far from it. But we need a bigger squad. And, and we've really seen signs of our, how depleted our squad is. And especially with, as I said to you guys, with Leon and Leanne Kidd and injured and Spitkover injured. It really took a dent in our squad and, and our bench sometimes is is looked ridiculous and I think potentially some are going and he needs he just needs to get a bigger squad simple as that really I think mm. Michelle what if, uh, I know it's a, I know it's a small sample size but um Ollie Hart has eventually got the job done what have you made of of his start to life as uh, as the manager because obviously finished now with five clean sheets in the last six so there seems to be some progress but um what have you actually made of it? I like him. Um, I like his his approach. I like his the way he speaks. Um, I think he had a really tough couple of months when he came in. Um, and I'm talking specifically like January, February. We, I think we only got like one point in February or something like that. I'm not too sure of the statistics, but I know it was so disappointing. And I, I've heard him say in interviews before that he, he had a lot of work to do and I don't know what the ins and outs of, of that are, but I like it. As I said, I like his approach and he seems to, to you know, have really settled in now and him implementing Sissoko into the defence like that, I think that was a that was a great decision. Um, that's obviously come from him. But, um, yeah, I like the way he speaks in his interviews and, yeah, I, I wouldn't want him really to, you know, go because he's only just started, really, but... 
Yeah, that's, that's interesting, Michelle, isn't it? Because we were we were so hopeful. I don't know if you felt the same. We were all all of us, all three of us, so optimistic at the beginning of the season. We're fortunate that um, you know some some esteemed journalists, uh, WSL experts, join us on this podcast week in week out, uh, and certainly did at the beginning of the season. And and there was a buoyant mood amongst those who who know the game and uh, know the team far better than than the three of us do. Uh, having kept an eye on it, uh, like obviously kept pretty engaged with it this season. It's just been so disappointing, I think, from to have like, you know, where you look at the men's team, there was a complete the other way almost. No one was expecting anything and we've gone on to achieve great things. And and you were really not, you know, no one was expecting to break into the the top four. I think, as you see in the WSL, the money in the game it reflects, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like the men's game. You can buy success, which is, seems to be what those teams at the top of doing. They spend a lot more money. But we would, we were saying at least be in that, the top of that middle bracket of teams with the your, your Reddings and Tottenham's, Birmingham's, all that sort of thing. I know we're going to uh, look like we'll finish above Birmingham in the end. But what, what do you think went wrong? And did you share that optimism in the beginning of the season? Oh, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I, I was buzzing at the start of the season I was so happy obviously it was Matt Beard's team um he bought he bought in Rachel Daly and Emily Van Edmond and all these you know names within the women's game and and honestly I was buzzing I was so happy I was you know at that time we was looking to get back to games and, and everything was going well and I a few a few little um results at the beginning of the season probably didn't go our way and and um potentially we were slightly unlucky in games and then it just it just snowballs from there doesn't it and then um yeah Rachel Daly was was fantastic she started off really well and then obviously her contract came to an end and then we lost a couple of other players that went out on loan and um and then as I said it was a, a real tough Christmas time January time February time and think that they was just slightly starting to gain the momentum now but it was it was disappointing you're absolutely right it was, it was we had such expectations our season ticket holders and, and, and we have been left disappointed really yeah. so you mentioned before that need to get bodies in um in the summer and i was i'm just just wondering what you think is is priority because you know we went from scoring 16 goals in two games, albeit 11 of those coming against Chester City. Um, so not scoring in four, um, in three nil-nils and obviously the two-nil defeat to Arsenal. Um, would you say that finding an out-and-out goal scorer is, is the priority now for, for Oli Harder? Um, and do you think that Alicia Lehman's she's been out on loan at Everton, I, I believe. Do you think she comes back, is, is she the one to, to lead the line next season? Or do you see? Do you think it would be better if Oli Harder brought in someone fresh? Um, well, your first point is that I want to see us get another striker. And um, I said that to you guys before, but I want to see us get a striker that will not only be a poacher, but will will create stuff as well, you know, get an assist and things like that, a real quality striker, maybe even two, maybe. But um, when it comes to Lehman, <laughs> this is just my opinion, but I'm not a fan of hers. I'm, I'm not. Um, her statistics are terrible. Um, she scored one goal for us last season, albeit half a season. Um, I think she scored one goal for Everton while she's been there. I don't think she is the striker that we, we're we looking for. Um, and I, 
and as, as I said, this is my opinion, but I'd be happy to see her move on. She's not, she, she uh, I don't think she is into that sort of like hard work grafting ethic that Ollie Harder wants. And I've seen that with Kate Longhurst, Julie Flackety, um, Edmund, you know, players like that, they're really grafting. And, and I don't think she fits that, that criteria for me. And that's just my opinion, you know. Michelle, obviously um, this weekend we've got City City to finish things off and then we got them again the following week in the Cup. Is it? Would it be stupid to um, have any positivity <laughs> heading into the end of the season and think we can nick something a bit special or is it season done after that oh. Cup game, you reckon? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, they've got two of their most high-profile players out. We've um, Steph Houghton, their captain, and... and and uh, just at the weekend, they've just lost uh, Chloe Kelly to a, an ACL injury, which is awful for her. Um, she's a fantastic player as well. Um, and I've heard a rumour today that they might be losing um, Muis as well. But they're always looking out for good players. And I, and I think, yeah, just, I think they're going to sweep aside in both games, really. <laughs> um, I try, I'm trying not to think about it, but uh, you never know. <laughs> you you never know. You never know. Do you, I'm, I'm not. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> do you feel, Michelle, at this stage that you're you just want to wipe your hands of this season, put it behind you, and and switch to to the next one? Because it almost feels like such a disjointed one with the manager leaving midway through. Oli Harder will no doubt have learnt plenty, but do you feel that we'll go into or? can we afford to next season go into it with as much optimism as this one or what, what, what will, you know, we've mentioned all the players that, that we might need in coming there. I don't know. It, it just seems strange how we've gone from such a positive upbeat start to the season to such a negative outlook already. Is there, is there room for optimism mm. anywhere or can you see next season being a bit of a grind, a bit of a transition period as they like to say, because um, we certainly yeah. transitioned from optimistic to pessimistic pretty quickly, but can we do it the other mm-hmm. way around? I think you're right. I'm done with this season. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm, I, I, I do. I just want it gone. I mean, um, it has for me. It's been so disappointing, and um, I have a lot of contact with other um, season ticket holders, and, and we pretty much feel the same as well. And oh, I, don't, I mean, I think the only real exciting highlight that we had was the Reading game we absolutely smashed them off the park mm. and, and that was something to to look back back to the fond memories you know but um I don't see why we can't you know take a break in the summer come back with a clean slate as everyone does um I'm excited to see who he wants to bring in in terms of you know he's got a lot of experience in different countries and and he knows the network very very well he does his you know um research and things like that he's very well known for that so I'm excited to see who we will bring in. I expect him to bring uh, players in. But yeah, why not? Why can't we start again? And um, but it's the West Ham way, isn't it? They, they, it's the hope that gets you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no different with the women's team. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> no <difference. laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I think for it's been great for us this season, sort of. Keeping on top of things uh, with the girls team, it is, a, it is a real shame that it, it's turned out 
uh, how it has. I just think it's it's brilliant stuff. Not whatever happens, everyone listening to this podcast, no doubt, has uh, has been has been keeping an eye on on the podcast on the the women's team. Sorry, and if they didn't before, obviously we've been we've been talking about them them every single week. And I think one huge thing next season is the the Sky deal, of course. So those fans yeah. who might not have watched as much of the women's game before, because to be honest, it, it's quite difficult to the FA player is not the easiest to navigate. You've certainly got to find it. You don't just stumble across it there's going to be far more That's eyes right, on it yeah. next season and it's absolutely brilliant to have uh to have west ham in the mix for that isn't it and have their name up amongst all the uh all yeah. the big guns definitely i mean um we are a big club in london um and we should we should have all the bases covered in in terms of you know all our youth teams and we should have all those bases covered and, and why not why can't women compete um if you look at the likes of Premier League teams for the for the men who have been in there for a fair few years, and I'm talking about the likes of Newcastle United, Burnley, Crystal Palace. Where are their women's teams? They're mm. they're in like Southern mm. Premier Leagues and 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 things like that. So yeah, it was so important for us to get that status secured. And um, I would have been absolutely devastated if we would have got rele- relegated because there's similarities between. The games, I mean, it's obviously not good quality, but it's there's similarities because the championship in the women's is is well known for being really hard to get out of. Mm. Um, as as mm. Liverpool have experienced, they've they've they're gonna be back down there again. So it would have been an absolute disaster if we would have got relegated and I would have been absolutely devastated. But I'm really happy that we've we've managed to secure it. Yeah. Very disappointed, but we managed to do it. But you know, that's the way it is. That's yeah, football. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think we said at the beginning, you know, it hasn't been pretty. It's been pretty ugly, in fact, but but we've managed to do it. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. Let Michelle, just before we let you go, it's been brilliant having you on again. I'm glad you could join us this week for a little bit longer than we chatted to you last week for. Just give us a couple of score predictions then for the, uh, first of all, the game at home to City. Um, uh, well, no, sorry, for the home game against City. So we've got City Sunday 9th of May in the WSL. 2.30 kickoff and then City away in the FA Cup the week after. Just give a prediction for the uh, for those two games for us. Oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's great to see you guys talking about the women's game because obviously it just does get a lot of bad press, but I love talking about the girls. They're, they're a good bunch. And um, no, I, I really enjoy coming talking to you guys. Um, oh, the, oh, the game on Sunday. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they've been rocked, as I said, by that injury to Chloe Kelly and Oh, <laughs> we, it's all right, Michelle. We we're like lose a... three nil. <laughs> How many? <laughs> I'd say we're going to lose three nil. Three nil. Three nil. And the Jan... cup game. Yeah, go on. Oh, give us one know. for the cup game. They're going to want that cup. They're going to want that cup so badly. Uh, I'll say three nil on both. Let's just save the argument. Three nil on both. <laughs> three nil on both. Nice and safe. <laughs> Jonesy, you got any score predictions for us for the Man City game? Yeah, well, for WSL one, I think what this needs to be like a, I think we worked it out earlier, it's what, a 30 goal swing or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 28 nil win for City. We're still stuck. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. 28 nil win. Tom, quickly. Just going to go 2 nil to the girls. It's been a crazy season. Exactly. You never <laughs> it was know. right about the Arsenal score, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. Ne- 
you never know what's going to happen. Look, Michelle, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on again. Uh, it's been great covering Pleasure. the girls for this season. Absolutely delighted that they've uh, they've made it safe yeah. and fingers crossed. And who knows against City in the yeah. Cup, the magic of the Cup. We've done it before. Well, and, uh, that's it. You never crossed. know, do you? No, we thanks, Mark. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. No, no problem at all. <laughs> Michelle, their West Ham women's season ticket holder. Stay with us with us some final thoughts next. <laughs> So, Michelle there talking about the West Ham women. Delighted as the three of us are that the girls have stayed up in the WSL for next season. And it's definitely a rebuild. Dust yourselves off, forget about it and look forward. Tom, that's exactly what the West Ham men's team have got to do this weekend, isn't it? You know, forget about that win at Burnley, whatever the whys and wherefores of the performance, whether or not we should have been more clinical or not, it doesn't matter now. It's been and gone. We've picked up the three points and the age-old football cliche is that it's only the next game that matters. Well, it's the next four games that matter for us and what a season it could turn out to be after those four matches. Tom, just uh, before we say goodbye to everyone, give us some final thoughts um, before we uh, before we sign off for another week ahead of that enormous game against Everton on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think um, re- reinvigorated my confidence in the side. It was a it was a really brilliant performance um, on Monday night, and I think there's the finish lines now in sight. Is four massive games. I don't want to say the biggest stereotype, but yeah, it is four cup finals, and we got to make it count. And fingers crossed, if we go out there, have our best players on the park. Rice is coming back. All things are starting to move in the right direction. We've got a real, real chance at this, and let's just let's just hope we get over the line and play with the same courage we did on Monday against Everton. Because if we do, I fancy us to get it done and keep firing for the top four. Absolutely, mate. Peeled one straight out of page one of the James Jones cliche manual. There, <laughs> I like it. Jones, Everton at home, Brighton away. West Brom away, Southampton at home. Four games that could turn this season into the best one in. Well, certainly recent recent history, but you never know. We uh, we could even break that 85-86 hoodoo, depending what happens with those other results. What are you saying? Uh, I'd like to think that I'm quietly confident that we can still make the top four. I know um, obviously we, need, we need to win all 12 of those, um, just to be sure. But if you look at Chelsea's fixtures on paper, still got City, still got Arsenal, still got play Leicester. Um, they're going to drop points. And they've got the Champions League to they've still got the Champions League to worry about as well. Leicester have got um, Tottenham, they, Man United as well, I believe. Yeah, something like something like that. I've only got Chelsea's fixtures in yeah. front of me, but yeah, I'm just looking at Chelsea and going, um like they're gonna drop points. And I just think that as, as we just need to make sure that we, we win all those four games and hope that they do and <laughs> My only worry, and this is this is the real thing that's really bugging me at the moment, is that we might beat Everton. It's going to be difficult. Um, Brighton, we still haven't beaten Brighton since they were promoted. Um, and that really, really annoys me. I don't know what, it just annoys me. So why can we not beat Brighton? And I'm just, that, that fixture worries me more than the Everton one that's coming up this weekend. Um, just that they're our bogey team. Everton aren't our bogey team. Brighton are our bogey team. Um, but beyond that, I fancy us to beat West Brom. I fancy us to beat Southampton. I mean, Southampton, like, they'll be on the beach by the time we play them. So hopefully we can get the job done. But anywhere in the top six and I'll take it. Um, yeah, I just want to play, be, be in Europe next season and 
really beginning to believe now that we've got one foot at least in the Europa League. And it, oh. it's a great feeling. Mate, the We Are West Ham podcast European tour next season. Come at me with that, please. Awesome. But uh, I must admit, mate, I know exactly what you're saying about Everton and Brighton there, but I can just see it now. If Big Sam Allardyce, his West Brom side, are likely to be down by the time we play him. Shackles off, nothing left to play for. He's been relegated for the first time from the Premier League in his career. He's right got the ump and he just wants to stick it to West Ham and all those fans who gave him such a load of grief. That is the one that really worries me West Brom and Jalvian penultimate game of the season but James why not why not what a team we have looked like this season it's been a miraculous transformation under David Moyes massive respect to him and all the players who've worked their socks off week in week out for this club up till now that should not be forgotten but let's try and get over the line to make it a historic one shall we like you say Declan Rice perhaps edging his way back to fitness big Mikhail Antonio absolute hero cemented himself this season or six years at West Ham as a uh, as an all-time uh, legend for sure and uh, it's just it's really really weak from the chaff time isn't it this is this is the time and it could be so so different Josie go on mate Tell you what, I mean, with Antonio, I think he's what four goals away from being our all-time Premier League top goal scorer. He's four, I think he's three away from Decanio four to beat him. He's going to want to do that before the end of this season because he's in he's in red hot form. So again, that's going to work in our favour. I think in these last four games, if he can stay fit again, the four games he's going to be on one. He's going to be a monster to try and get those goals. Um, and I don't know whether he's got that um, double figure bonus again this season because he's on nine um, so he's going to be eager to be West Ham's all-time Premier League top goal scorer and get his double figure goal bonus at the end of the season so they're working our favour over Exactly mate and if he starts up front I back us against anyone in the league so fingers crossed just four more games Mikhail forget about any of the negativity that's gone before with the January transfer window all of us have to do that and it's just four games now four game shootout between now and the end of the season it's not quite in our hands but you think there's going to be some drop points from those other teams along the way thank you very much everyone for listening to us on the We Are West Ham podcast for another week do follow us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham subscribe to our YouTube channel the link to that channel is in the description to this podcast below we're on instagram as well and don't forget you can support the podcast or buy me and the lads a beer at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west Ham. give us a review as well five stars and some nice words on your chosen platform that's always nice as well west ham spilled blood at the clarets and let's hope they can avoid a sticky situation against the toffees on sunday four games to go James Jones, West Ham United in the Champions League. It sounds good. All we need to do, four more games, 12 more points. Surely we can do it. Come on, you Irons. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the Fammers, and we'll see you next week. Did I say up for Fammers? <laughs> oh, it was such a crescendo as well. <laughs> Up, up the famers <laughs> oh, it's building up so nice up the famers up the famers up the famers
Social Podcast Network.